to the Friday Five. It's our weekly list of five things you need to know about here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. My name is Sarah Rupel, and I'll be your host as we travel through the news of this week and how that relates to the insurance industry, of course, with the occasional bonus, and if I've gone really into the interwebs that week, a rabbit hole, which I've got to say I've been good with that lately. Number one on our list this week. Today is Friday, April 23rd, and it's also National Take a Chance Day, and it feels like a great day and a great time to take a chance on something. Hear me out here. We've all just gone through a roller coaster of a year, but eventually, even if it's a new normal, we'll be getting back to that. So why not take this time to take a chance on something that you've been wanting to do? Professionally, maybe that's switching gears and becoming an insurance agent. Maybe it's starting your own agency and bringing on a downline or two. Maybe it's implementing a new marketing strategy for your business. The cool thing is, if those are your professional goals, the FMO that keeps the lights of this podcast on, Ritter Insurance Marketing, has the tools to help you do all of those things. Whatever your goals are as an insurance agent, We have the resources to help you get started on accomplishing them. Take it from me, a girl who took a chance on the insurance industry, and the FMO that took a chance on her idea of starting a podcast. And there are plenty of other things out there to take a chance on. It doesn't have to be professional. We just want to encourage you to be your best self because when you strive for that, you'll thrive professionally and personally. Number two, last week we mentioned that the AHIP training certification site would be down for maintenance and backup by this Monday. Well, if you were surprised to see that the site was online, it's because the scheduled maintenance was rescheduled. Beginning on Thursday, May 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, the AHIP training certification site will go down. Enhancements and upgrades will hopefully be made and the site will be back up and running on Monday, May 10th by 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Should that time frame change again, we will keep you updated. Still very excited to see what the revamped site will look like. Number three, if you've been selling in the Medicare market for a while, you likely have become familiar with some of the most commonly prescribed drugs for seniors. On Monday of this week, the Kaiser Family Foundation released their study focused on the cost of Medicare prescription drugs and found some interesting results. Now, we've talked about some of the legislation and proposals that the Biden administration has pulled back under review from the last 100 days of the Trump administration. Prescription drug cost savings has long been a focus of some of these proposals and rules. However, the means to go about doing so, well, There's the rub, so to speak. One idea was to limit the amount of drugs the government could negotiate prices on. Another thought was to use international pricing as more of a reference point for our own pricing here in the States. The Kaiser Family Foundation study aimed to answer the question of whether those two methods would, quote, leave substantial savings on the table, even if the approach is more administratively feasible than subjecting all drugs to negotiation or reference pricing, end quote. 
Basically, does it make sense to limit the savings to just those drugs chosen to be on specifically outlined lists because it's easy to do that, or should we overhaul the whole lemon cart? The title of their findings suggests why that might be an idea. Relatively few drugs account for a large share of Medicare prescription drug spending. So what does that mean? Well, let's look at the stats first. The survey looked at spending in 2019, finding that the top 250 Part D drugs accounted for $87 billion out of $145 billion in total spending, so 60% of total spending. And then the top 50 Part B drugs made up $30 billion of an overall $37 billion in spending, and that comes out to 80% of total spending. The study also goes on to compare the percent of all drugs covered versus percentage of net total spending, and then they also name 10 top-selling drugs for both Medicare Part D and Medicare Part B. The takeaway in those top 10 lists for Medicare Part D coverage, the top 10 selling drugs include several used to treat cancer, diabetes, and rheumatoid arthritis. And then for the Medicare Part B 10 top-selling drug list, there are also expensive medications used to treat cancer and rheumatoid arthritis and macular degeneration. Very cool point about that list, there are price tags included, so you get total spending, average spending per claim, and average spending per beneficiary. In their conclusion, the Kaiser Family Foundation sees value in the current proposed plans, but also believes that some savings would be left on the table. We'll have to see where the proposals end up going on this one, but for now, you can check out that study via the link in our episode notes. Number four, as we are gearing back up for a return to the new normal, a lot of people, myself included, have been wondering what that new normal will look like. We've spent over a year now getting used to new routines and ways of doing things, and now the question is, what do we take with us from what we've learned over the past year, and what do we leave behind? For some, that question might include whether work from home will still be an option, even if it's a hybrid model like many schools are currently using. For others, well, the idea of a four-day work week will probably never get old. But it's also a very difficult thing to transition to when you do business with others who traditionally go for a five-day work week. But on the off chance that you can do that, which as an independent insurance agent, you do set your own hours. I came across a very interesting article that suggests that Wednesday is the best day to take as your third day off of the week if that is a possibility. And I know for some, that's just not. But the article did point out a way to sort of hack your week, if you will. And it does involve Wednesday. Surprise, surprise. So first, we were invited to experience the Danish art of happiness and coziness, or hygge. And if you haven't heard of that, we will have a link to learn more in the episode notes. But this idea comes from the Swedish Lillordag, or Little Saturday. And if I completely botched that pronunciation, please let me know and correct me. Let me know the right way to say it. 
And it's a simple idea. You basically use your Wednesday evening as a little bit of a palate cleanser. It doesn't have to be anything big. Again, little Saturday. So meet a friend for coffee once we're able to do that again. Watch a movie, take a bath, paint your nails. Do something that you really like to do that you normally only do on the weekends. We all know that taking time for ourselves can really help our focus. We feel better when we do it. Our family members like us better when we do it. But it's easy to say that you're going to do it and quite the opposite to actually be intentional and do it. Maybe that can be the something you take a chance on in the upcoming week. Number five. This Tuesday, Apple announced a whole lineup of new products, and included in that menagerie was an update to Apple Podcasts that is coming next week along with Apple iOS 14.5. As a Spotify listener, I have to say I was excited to hear about some of the changes they're making to the Apple Podcasts app, so I thought it would be worth mentioning that here. First up, Apple Podcasts is getting revamped, so the show page will look a little different. You'll see podcast artwork with a button over top that allows you to play the latest episode. The next feature is a smart play button. Podcasts can now designate their show as episodic or serialized, so if it's episodic, you can listen with the most recent episode and work your way back. If it's serialized, you've got to listen the other way, and that isn't always easy to know when you first find a new show to listen to. Channels are another new feature, and that allows creators to put all of their shows in one place. So, for example, my daughter and I have been listening to The Res, the newest podcast by Gen Z Media. Now, we've found out about that by listening to other Gen Z Media shows, But if this were our first foray into listening, Gen Z Media could have a channel where they would list all of their family-friendly podcasts, like Six Minutes, Remy's Life Interrupted, Cupid and the Reaper, and more. They also announced curation as a feature, and you may have already seen some of these recommended podcasts based on seasonal and current events in the app. Both of those things play into discoverability, and that brings us to our penultimate feature, personalized discoverability. So taking the shows that you've listened to and making recommendations based on those shows and topics. And then last, but certainly not least, Apple Podcast Subscriptions. Podcasters can now use Apple as a means for content subscriptions. Users would subscribe for a fee through the Apple Podcasts app to gain access to bonus content, ad-free episodes, or even episodes that air before the ones on other directories do. We call that windowing. That is one of the reasons why we point out in our podcast that it is completely free to follow along with the Agent Survival Guide podcast because we've known that something like this was coming in the future. We just weren't sure when. So yes, still free to follow and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, which yes, I know is confusing, but the subscription part that costs money is completely separate from what we're doing here. And if you have questions about the semantics of all of this, please reach out. I can certainly answer those questions for you. One thing I did want to point out, though, I've talked about Luminary in the past. They're a podcast directory that you have to pay for in order to listen to their content. 
In the announcement, they were mentioned as a partner. So you can subscribe to Luminary via the Luminary app or subscribe to their content via Apple Podcasts. Other partners mentioned were Pushkin Industries, Q-Code, and NPR. So many great content creators there. And I think this might open up a way for people to subscribe to these directories or creators without the friction of an additional payment. So you can sort of just lump it into your Apple services. And I see what Apple is thinking there. But will it be enough to make me switch from Spotify back to Apple for my podcast listening? I mean, I don't know. I think that's still a hard sell, but I will definitely be taking a look and playing around with it. So we'll see. And now for this week's bonus, just a quick update. I have not heard anything from Spotify about the car thing, but they do say that no news is good news, so fingers crossed. With it being the end of April, moving into May, we are getting to the point that allergy season is going to be in full swing soon if it's not already. The forsythia bushes are doing their thing, and it won't be long before everything is coated in pollen. If you're looking for ways to battle the, uh, mucus that develops as a result of your allergies, well, HuffPost just wrote an article on it. Here at Ritter, our video lead Zach swears by spicy ramen or pho to clear out his sinuses when he's sick. At my house, it's alphabet noodles in chicken stock, my husband's grandmother's recipe, with a whole bunch of black pepper. But do those foods actually work? Turns out spicy foods can alleviate those allergy symptoms for a short amount of time, but not for the long term. Herbs are actually a better bet. Elderberry, elderflower, ginger root, and cinnamon are a few of the ones named in the article. Now, what about honey? If I have a scratchy throat, honey usually makes it feel better, but too much of it can give me a stomach ache. Believe it or not, There's not enough pollen in honey to help any reactions to seasonal allergens. Also, honey might have antibacterial properties, but allergens are not bacterial. So what else should you avoid when you're experiencing particularly bad allergies? Dairy, for one, just like when you've got a cold or other symptoms involving excess mucus. It will make them worse, and you could end up with a sinus infection. And then this one, I did not know. Many people have reactions to birch pollen, and then there are some foods that react with the birch pollen to cause itchiness in your nose and your throat, like apples, peaches, and cherries, to name a few. It's a very interesting read. We will be linking to that article in our episode notes, so check that out especially if you are really feeling the pollen right now. That is all I have for you this week. Again, happy Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Brianna Lowe. Artwork by Nick Smith. Thank you